I'm Joe Malerba, and this is The Morning Brew. Now, for many years, I have had a personal fascination with the Shroud of Turin, and there are many uh, documentaries and specials that are out there. Very simply, the Shroud of Turin, also known as the Holy Shroud, is a length of linen cloth bearing the negative image of a man. And for many, they believe that that man in the image is Jesus of Nazareth. What's interesting is when you go to Google, and many people these days, the first place they go is Google, they do a Google search. When you, when you search up the Shroud of Turin, you'll get things like, is the Shroud of Turin real? Shroud of Turin, new evidence. Shroud of Turin, debunked. What is on the Shroud of Turin? The face of Shroud of Turin, and my favorite, Shroud of Turin, comma, Michelangelo. Today, I'm joined by environmental scientist Bill Lauto. Now, I met Bill at a talk about the Shroud of Turin, and it was so fascinating, and there's so much information to unpack. Bill, thank you for being on the program. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for inviting me, Joe. I greatly appreciate it. Now, let's jump into this, because as I said, there is a lot to unpack here. So the Shroud of Turin, a.k.a. the Holy Shroud, you developed this fascination at an early age, and you've had some hands-on experience in the form of research and data that has brought you to certain conclusions today uh, regarding the Shroud. So why don't you tell us about that? Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, my wildest dreams, I never would think I would become friends and actually know uh, some of the scientists that went to Turin, Italy in 1978 with the Sturt team to actually start the most in-depth scientific study of the Shroud. Uh, and um, also now I am taking a certification course uh, through the Science and Faith University in Rome on the Shroud. So uh, since I was 14 years old, my uh, knowledge and the way this has impressed me and constantly amazed me has never ceased. So I usually start off with a lot of different uh, groups with a small introduction where I just ask, imagine if we had an actual photograph of Jesus. That of itself would be a miracle. Now, what if I told you that we do have one, not just of his face, but of his whole body, front and back? This image isn't one that shows a smile or, or wave high. The actual details on the image are sometimes hard to look at because the image was made a millisecond before the resurrection. And we see a beaten, bloodied, crucified Jesus on his burial shroud. He died for all of us and talking about how and why I know these things becomes a very interesting subject, which I'm always happy to share. Now, Bill, let's break it down for a moment, because you, you brought up a couple of things in what you just said in this introduction. So again, for, for those joining us, and, and certainly, as I mentioned, I got to see firsthand at a talk with Bill photographs and um, sort of a life-size print out that Bill has of the shroud. So to get a real feel for what the shroud uh, looked like. Again, essentially this is this was a uh, a linen cloth 
uh, probably the length of or a little bit longer than a human body. And it was used uh, during that time when Jesus walked the earth to bury those after they had passed, you know, the deceased body. And you refer to it as sort of a, um, a negative, like a photograph. And that's very interesting because that's kind of what that image looks like when you're looking at it. Correct. Um, when you actually look at the entire cloth, you're going to see the front and the back of Jesus at the full length of his body because the cloth was folded over him. Uh, now, the image you see on the cloth with the naked eye uh, is faint. Uh, sometimes it's hard to see today because it is now 2,000 years old. Uh, but that image isn't the entire story. When you look at it, that is what everybody has seen for 2,000 years up to 1898 when Secondo Pio took the first photograph. Now, you have to think back of what cameras were back then and before cell phones. They had film. They were chemically treated. They were exposed to the light reflecting off of the object, and then it had to be developed with more chemicals to see the positive image. However, when Secondo Pio took that first photograph and was developing it on a glass plate, not paper, he almost dropped it when he saw the image that developed because what came out wasn't a positive image. It turned out that the shroud itself was acting like the film in a camera and was already the negative. So when he took a picture of it, he already had the positive. And the details that become visible with the photograph taken by a camera using film opened up an entire new door to the scientific world. And it started in 1902. And this is the most studied icon in the history of humankind. Over a hundred years now of scientific study. And the bottom line is this. It's not a painting. It's not a scorch. It's not a burn mark. It's not a drawing the entire image itself cannot be reproduced by any scientist. The image itself cannot be something that is seen just with the eye. You start looking at it with a microscope and more and more details become available. And then you say the amazement of this doesn't stop. So, Bill, what type of studies are they doing on the Shroud present day, 2023? The most recent thing they did was high-definition photographs because a lot of claims were made over the years that the image showed some additional things that may or may not be on the Shroud. For example, a lot of people put time into studying the possibility of there being coins on or around the eyes of Jesus. There are some cultures that do put coins in uh, a mouth or on the eyes or in the hands of a deceased person, but that was not a custom or a tradition for the Jewish people. So to put coins from the Roman Empire on Jesus 
would have been sacrilegious. It would not have been the tradition. And the high-definition photographs have now shown there are no coins on the Shroud of Turin. So those are the things that are currently going on and providing more answers. So not having the coins on the eyes of Jesus actually proves that this is more of a authentic article or authentic relic meeting the Jewish traditions from 2000 years ago. So Bill, tell us what, what would, what would the series of events be for those who are not well-versed in the Bible? How does the cloth tell the story of the crucifixion and ultimately the uh, entombment and the resurrection? First off, the shroud has a history of its own on how it traveled from Jerusalem uh, to Edessa, from Edessa to Constantinople, from Constantinople to Leary, France, and from Leary, France to Turin, Italy. That of itself is a story. The events that occurred at the time of the crucifixion, and they have been recorded in the Gospels, the shroud tells the entire passion of Jesus Christ. It matches everything in the Gospels. It even gives additional information to accurately meet the Jewish traditions and to show medical science what actually happens when someone is crucified. Things that nobody would have known 2,000 years ago. No one had microscopes. No one knew about invisible post-mortem fluid that would flow out of the body and make an invisible mark around the blood stains. That's only seen when you look at the shroud with infrared light. There was no such thing as infrared light. There was no, and how could an, someone trying to forge this even paint an invisible halo around the blood stains that will only show up with infrared light 2,000 years ago or even 500 or 1,000 years ago? So there is so many facts and details to the shroud that prove it's 2,000 years old. That of itself is another story. Then the events that occurred at the crucifixion start to match the environmental, um, how can I say this, the, the environmental uh, picture that was occurring on that date due to research done at the Dead Sea. We And knowing about the uh, uh, the uh, lunar eclipse that occurred that night, uh, and knowing that there was no solar eclipse that afternoon, but the sun was blocked out somehow, and we found out that on that day there were earthquakes, and the Dead Sea gives us the proof with the soil samples, and it shows layers of dust resting on top of the soil that was moved during the earthquake. There was a dust storm that blocked out the sun and caused people to think the day was ending sooner than it was. All this would start to land and deposit onto the shroud. The pollen, the dust, the limestone from the roads is all on the shroud, all from Jerusalem. 
also the apostles fled, only leaving the youngest, John, at the foot of the cross with Jesus's mother Mary and uh, the other Mary and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Both the rabbis, both of them were completely versed in Jewish tradition, and they probably obtained the linen cloth for the burial. And then we also know from the Gospels that Joseph uh, gave his tomb to be used. So now the carrying of Jesus from the cross to the tomb, not washing the body, because it was tradition for the Jewish people not to wash the body of someone who was uh, tortured or suffered a violent death. The blood was considered lifeblood. It had to remain with the body. They would have not washed it away. When someone died a normal death, they washed the body. Jesus's body was not washed. So everything falls into place. The shroud winds up in the tomb. And the only explanation left now for the image on that cloth is the energy it took for the resurrection. One word is the only theory left, resurrection. All the others have been tested and tried, and none of them have produced an image that meet the same principles, the same requirements that are on the shroud. They come close a couple of times, but no, it did not actually mimic all the features and all the characteristics that are on the shroud especially when you scan it in a VP8 scanner, we get a three-dimensional image of Jesus's face and body. No artwork made by humankind can do that. So you're saying that the depth of that image that is embedded in the shroud could only have been produced by a heavy manifestation of the resurrection. The, 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 the resurrection itself uh, added to the, the depth of the image on the shroud on the linen yeah the best scientific information we have so far is that it was a burst of energy so powerful that it would be equivalent to a solar flare on the surface of the sun and it was in a millisecond and it was low heat it didn't burn the image is on the outermost particles of the first fibers of the linen on the shroud. It's not damaged. It just has a yellow tint to it. And depending on the distance the shroud was from Jesus's body, that creates the depth of the darkness or the shadows of the image. So when you're up close to Jesus's body, the image is the darkest. When you start to move a few millimeters away, the image gets lighter thus giving us all the data for a three-dimensional look of Jesus's face and body, something that isn't done by with any human-made painting or drawing or photograph. I'm Joe Malerba. This is The Morning Brew. If you are joining us, we're talking to environmental scientist Bill Lauto, who has spent years researching and studying the Shroud of Turin, also known as the Holy Shroud. 
it is so fascinating to hear this story and the fact that this this cloth, this linen, tells the story of the burial and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Bill, you know, as a scientist, you have to break down the data. And so aside from the faith, let's talk about a little bit more about that data that leads us to believe that this was the image of Jesus of Nazareth. I have no fear in having reason and faith work together on the same team. And when you are able to do that, you could evaluate all the facts and all the studies done so that you could come to a conclusion. Science will look at 100 studies. 99 of them say the shroud is too, and I'm just using that as a number. It's not 99 exactly, but let's just say 99 say the shroud is 2,000 years old, and one says it isn't. Normal science would toss out the one and go with the 99. But when they did the carbon dating test in 1988, which now has been retracted, they threw out the 99 tests and just kept the one. That's not science. That's pseudoscience. So when I look at this, and I have been looking at it over the decades, the facts have just built up one after another, showing that this is authentic. And who else would have this cloth covered other than Jesus the Christ? So the facts that you run into are the invisible halo of post-mortem fluid that came out when the spear was plunged into Jesus's heart. And the gospels even said, out came water and blood. And forensic science now knows that's true. That's exactly what would happen. The blood remained red on the shroud. Now that's odd because mostly blood turns black within a few hours or a few days. Old blood is always dark in color. Why did it stay red on the Shroud of Turin? Well, when someone is tortured and beaten, uh, excess of bilirubins is excreted into the bloodstream from the liver, and that extra bilirubins causes the blood to remain red forever. Due to medical science today, we know that to be a fact. We have fingerprints on the soles of the feet. There was no microscopes back then. The only thing they knew of in the past 2,000 years was a handprint. Nobody knew about fingerprints. That didn't come about until the late 1800s. The pollen matches the travels that we believe occurred. There's pollen from the plants only found in Jerusalem. There's pollen from the plants in uh, Edessa, Turkey. Pollen from Constantinople, pollen from Leary, France, and pollen from Turin in Italy. So there's actually a trail of evidence showing how the shroud went from Jerusalem to Italy. We also have a cloth in Spain called the Sudarium. The Sudarium was a cloth that all the men kept around their neck. It was known as the sweat cloth. Actually, 2,000 years ago, we have scientific proof that the Earth was 4.5 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial age temperature. Perhaps it was John's sweat cloth 
that he gave to Nicodemus and Joseph to cover Jesus's face while he hung on the cross dead so Joseph could go to Pontius Pilate and get permission to remove the body from the cross. Now that took time. If Jesus died slightly before 3 p.m. in the afternoon and they got him in the tomb just before sundown, that three hour period was consumed by Joseph going to Pilate getting permission to take the body down, but it only happened after Pilate had proof that Jesus was dead. So the Roman soldier uh, was ordered to put the spear into Jesus's heart. That was known as the death blow. It wasn't, oh, maybe he's dead. It was, no, he's dead. And the water and blood flew out from that, flowed out from that uh, spear wound. Evidence uh, from the shroud shows that the spear wound was exactly where the death blow was trust upon a person when they wanted to make sure they were going to kill them. I guess we could say that metaphorically, this cloth, this sacred linen comes to life much like Jesus came back to life. Because in life, in, in and what I mean by life is the the breadth and the depth of the story that this linen tells and is still telling and is telling, uh, I would imagine, more stories as more scientists are studying the shroud. Is there any DNA? You know, we talk about DNA because in modern day, uh, with all of these uh, DNA tests that families are taking, like a 23andMe and those sorts of things, certainly the, the technology has come a long way with DNA. Was DNA found on the Shroud of Turin? Yes, lots of DNA. A lot of biomass. Um, the DNA, though, cannot tell us or prove this cloth covered Jesus because we don't have a sample of, let's say, Jesus's hair so that we could see what his DNA was and compare it to the DNA found on the shroud. So no comparison could be done. But the DNA tells stories of who actually looked and was in close uh, contact with the shroud. And um, they have DNA. Uh, for example, uh, Barry Schwartz was the photographer that went to Italy with the Sturp team in 1978. His DNA is on it. Everyone that was in that room, their DNA is on it. And the most recent discovery was they found DNA from somebody with a background from the country of India. And the explanation for that is the fibers, the linen fibers, were probably imported from India and made on a Jewish loom in Israel to have a pure linen cloth that was used to make the clothes of rabbis or for burial. Now, burial cloths did not have to be pure. Uh, that was something that people with money were able to do. However, this is a pure linen cloth, and uh, Joseph of Arimathea would definitely have the means to purchase that. And you have to remember, at the time Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, uh, there was uh, two celebrations going on in Jerusalem. He, this was in between the two celebrations, and the first one was the Passover. Um, so the shops and the uh, storage of many articles were probably at maximum inventory at that time.
because Jerusalem probably had not only thousands, but tens of thousands of visitors in the city because they were coming there to celebrate and spend the Passover that was the night before the Sabbath. You have to remember, though, the Jewish day started at sundown. Once it got dark, that was the beginning of the next day. And that's why Jesus celebrated the Passover meal Thursday night, because that was already Friday. I could talk about this for hours and hours, but unfortunately, my producers limit me to a certain amount of time. Bill, this was so fascinating. And the timing of this conversation, you know, I wanted to get this in uh, during our holiest of times, Easter season, the Passover, um, just such fascinating information. And I think what we can take away from this is that you can have an, an open dialogue, a conversation about a, a historical piece uh, of, of material, this shroud that tells this story. You can have that conversation with anyone, you know, from any faith and really apply the historical references to support this data, to really draw the conclusion that that this was the cloth that Jesus of Nazareth was buried in, and ultimately, can people visit the Shroud of Turin? Uh, yes, when it's available to be seen. Uh, it is uh, in the city of Turin, in northern Italy. Uh, there is talk of it being exhibited for a set period of time in the year uh, 2025. So uh, we'll all have to uh, keep uh, our uh, eyes open and our ears uh, tuned in. And like Jesus said, uh, you don't light a lamp and put it on the bushel. You put it on top of a table so everyone can see and you stay awake. Excellent. Bill, thank you so much. Uh, this has been fascinating. I'm Joe Malerba, and this is You're The Morning welcome. Brew.